Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to episode 55 of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I'm wicked excited, you guys. Uh, today, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to have a little chat about one of my favorite things in the world. I got a lot of favorite things, but this one really is, and that's words. So episode 55, we're going to call this sucker, Words Have Power. Your words have power. So let's dive into that a little bit. So I think one of the things I wanted to kick off on, I was thinking the other day about how, so when I'm working with my, my spiritual mentoring clients, right, and they're relaying to me, they're relating to me some of the stories of their lives, the stories that we ultimately transform, right, into their glory, moving from your story to your glory. And as we're doing this work and they're relating these stories of their lives back to me, one of the things that I see, this common thread that runs through so many things is, you know, how did they come to the place where they have these stories, the things that happens, the things that they've been told, the things that were told to them, the things that were said to them, the things that stayed with them, that kind of like borrowed into the consciousness, right? And I realized like so many of the things that stay with adults come from their childhood and things just like clumsy shit or mean shit or uh, lack of mindfulness things that were like said to them as children. And, and it just really, you know, just knowing. And also like I was an advertising major in college and knowing the power of words, the ability of words to manipulate, to get people to take action or the, the, the ability of, of, of words to like stop people in their tracks in both good and bad ways. So when I say words have power, you know, what I'm trying to say is that words can be so impactful and they can be used for good and they can be used for evil. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you just think about like propaganda, like back when Hitler was, uh, you know, freaking going mental and being a, a psychopath and murdering millions of people. It's like his words had power, but they were not used in service to love. They were used in service to fear, to harm, to death to evil, to atrocities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the things I'm always asking my clients to do is to be vigilant, be vigilant for the quality of their thoughts, first and foremost, because your thoughts become your words. Your thoughts become your actions. They become your beliefs if they're repeated enough over time, right? So we got to be so vigilant for the quality of our thoughts because your thoughts ultimately will also become your words. They will become the words that either you speak out loud, the words that you say when you're on stage, the words that you put in your message or your marketing, the words that you say in your relationships with your sweeties, your, your, your children, your, your friends, your peers, your family members, you know, your words have such an impact. 
And if we are not mindful, if we are not watching our mind like a hawk and being responsible for what comes out of our mouth, whoo, look at you never know. Let's start here. You never know the impact that you're going to have on another person or on the world. Let me say this again. You never know the full impact that you'll have on another person, even on yourself and the way that you talk to yourself. Your words have power to yourself too. And again, whether they're words you speak, words you write, words you put in a social media post, words that you put in a book, however you are communicating with words, you, you will never know the fullest impact you know, that you'll have on another person and then ultimately the world. And I can just think back to myself. Like I remember things that were said to me as a little kid. I remember people that tried to tear me down with their words. And I remember the exact things that they said to me. And I also remember the people that tried to build me up, right? I remember Mrs. Carson, Virginia Carson, sixth grade at the Weatherby School. And I was lucky enough in my lifetime to encounter a few really powerful teachers who saw me, who got me, who understood me, who celebrated me and encouraged me. And uh, Mrs. Carson was definitely Virginia Carson. I'll never, I'll never, ever, ever forget her her dark curly hair and her kindness, like, man, was she nice. And she recognized something in me that I did not recognize in myself. And she encouraged me all the time. And she told me all the time how smart I was. And she celebrated my creativity. And she saw like the, the spirit within the shy kid, right? And so it's just like, I just think back to, to Virginia Carson. I, I hope someday, I hope someday she hears this, right? The last time I heard from Virginia Carson, she saw something about me. I think my senior year of high school, she saw, there's a little article in the paper about me. Um, um, there's something in my high school, it was called DECA, Distributive Education Clubs of America. And my other, one of my other greatest teachers of all time, uh, Miss Kay Lefeb, I just call her Miss. So uh, Miss Lefeb was um, like, played an unbelievable role, <laughs> you know, in my life in Lawrence when I was a kid. And so she encouraged me to get involved in DECA. And myself and Roy Vask, Roy Vasquez, people call him different things, who's now, I think, the police chief in Methuen, <laughs> Methuen, Mass. We both did really well in DECA, and we ended up going to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that Virginia Carson saw uh, that little article talking about Roy and I going, going to Atlanta, and she sent me a little note in the mail, and I still have it to this day. And I just think like how powerful it was to be witnessed by somebody, and not only to be witnessed, but they reflected back to you through their words what they saw, like how powerful that is. So if you're listening to this right now, if you can hear the sound of my voice, I want you to just pause for a second. You can literally just like pause the play on this podcast. And I want you to ask yourself, what are the powerful, impactful things that were said to you as a child, as a little kid, both positive and negative? And I just want you to take stock of the fact of what you heard. Because let me tell you something, those things get put on like what I would call subconscious tapes in our mind, little recordings that we play back to ourselves over and over and over again. And I'm going to talk about that, like kind of the power of mantra <laughs> in another episode, but let's just kind of like think about that. Like just pause and think about, well, what, what were some things that were said to me as a little kid that I made true? 
that I took somebody else's words and the impact that they had, what was the impact that they had on me? Not only that they said a thing, whether it was positive or negative, but then what did I take with that thing? What did I do with it? Did I come to believe it and it empowered me or did I come to believe it and it somehow held me back? or crippled me, or caused me to be paralyzed, or caused me to beat myself up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The whole point that I'm trying to make is that I think we all have had the, um, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like the ripple effect of somebody else's thoughtful words, kind words, compassionate words, it versus also their unkind words, their judgmental words, their attacking words. So we know our words have power. We know that words can inspire people to create great change, to, um, to um, oh, what's the word? start a movement, right? It can do, and it can also debilitate people. And I often say to people, you know, there are going to be times just naturally, it's part of the human condition, holy Jesus. If we have an ego, if we believe in the separation from God that we were successful, we end up having these bodies where we believe that we were actually successful and that we separated. And as soon as we're in a body, and as soon as we have this ego experience, this ego teacher as one of the voices in our mind, like we're screwed, we're in trouble. Because if we don't get on that real quick, right quick, as I would say, if you don't get on that right quick and recognize that you're constantly choosing between the two teachers in your mind, that there is a decision maker and you get to decide, am I listening to the voice of ego, which is fear? Am I listening to the voice of Holy Spirit or spirit, which is the voice of God's love? The remembrance that we never were separate at all, right? Remembering of that perfect oneness. But so much of our life, so much of this world is created from from fear, right? So we're kind of swimming in the fear soup. (laughs) And so what I often say to people is, in our clumsiness sometimes, in our, I got to attack, I got to defend, I got to prove mode that we often go into, you know, we sometimes are very clumsy with our words. And we say things that either we don't mean, or we say things that in a moment of anger, in a moment of taking a detour into fear, where you literally go out of your right mind, you say something, and maybe you meant it in the moment, like you snapped, But then upon reflection, when you come back to your right mind and you realize, oh my God, I was just such a jerk. I was so mean. I was kind of a dick, like whatever the thing is, you recognize I didn't really mean that. I misrepresented myself. I went out of my mind. I took a detour into fear. I lost my conscious connection. You can never be disconnected from source. Whether you call that God, love, spirit, universe, whatever, you can't ever really really be disconnected from source, but you can feel like you are and you can think that you are. And when you go mental, when you go mental like that, we often misrepresent ourselves. We do not put our best self forward, our true self forward. And so one of the gifts that we have, obviously, in this human condition is we have apologies, amendments, right? We have forgiveness. But here's the thing about apologizing. You can take it back, meaning you can say, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. It was unkind. Like you can do your best to apologize and to say that you're sorry um, and to ask for forgiveness. But the truth is, is that shit still leaves a mark. That stuff, those momentary lapses of self, they leave a mark. And I often tell this story to my clients. I'll kind of use this analogy. You know, so if you have a piece of wood, and you have a hammer, and you have some really big nails, 
right? Let's say you were building a fence, right? You're outside doing a little construction gig in your yard, right? <laughs> you're building a fence and all of a sudden, like you pick up one of these huge nails because you want the fence to be sturdy, right? So you pick up a big nail, you pick up your hammer and you whack violently like boom, boom, boom. You whack that nail into the wood and you realize, oh, I didn't mean to put that there. AKA, I didn't mean to say it, right? I just kind of went nuts and like hammered this thing in brutally. I didn't mean to do it. You can retract. You can take that nail out of the wood, but there's still going to be a friggin' hole. It's still going to leave a mark. And you can try and patch it. <laughs> you can try and fix it. You can get some wood filler from the Home Depot, <laughs> go to Lowe's, whatever the thing is. And you can try to patch that sucker, but you've left a mark. So we want to be so vigilant for our thoughts, our words, our actions, but those words, especially the way that we communicate to each other, you know, we have to take our words seriously. When I say seriously, it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, you have to be uptight and contracted and fearful and walk around like, oh my God, all right. I'm not saying that. But if you just kind of start to live mindfully, if you start to develop deep spiritual practices, if you start to become aware of the truth of yourself, if you start to remember that um, you were created, you know, to create the good, the beautiful, and the holy, if you realize that kindness created you kind, holiness created you holy, perfection created you perfect, love created you as love, when you really start to get this, then the things that emanate from you, the things that you say, the things that you do will naturally start to be more in alignment with these things that you focus your mind upon. That's why the Buddha says, you know, you become what you think upon. You become what you think. This is why I practice passage meditation. I've been practicing passage meditation with Jesus for like 19 years or something now, because I know that when I focus my mind on the repetition of a passage, of a holy passage, that what I meditate upon, I become. <laughs> so it's like, then you start to realize, I want the things that come out of my mouth to be a true reflection of my heart, my soul, my spirit, who I really am. I do not want to misrepresent myself and I do not want to, to say things to other people that then later I'm going to have to go back and apologize for because I was unkind and I spoke untrue and what I said wasn't even necessary. And we'll get into that in, in a minute. Okay. So here's the thing. You have to take responsibility for what you say. Here's another thing that I know to be true from personal experience. I'm not saying it's true for you. I'm saying it's true for me. But I also know through all these years of doing this work that I've been doing, that it's true for almost all of us. Like nobody refutes this. Once they start to practice this, like nobody refutes this with me. In order to have control, to be mindful of what comes out of your mouth, the very first thing that you have to do is, first of all, make a conscious effort to slow down because it is a mistaken mind. They say, I can't remember who said it. I heard it from my teacher, Ishwaran, Eknath Ishwaran, um, who's the founder of Passage Meditation and his eight, his eight step, his eight point system that I practice. And he basically says that it is a hurried mind. A hurried mind is sick, but a quiet mind is holy. It's healing right? That's where the divine dwells. You know, the voice for God, of course, in miracles tells us comes to the quiet mind. So we want to be reflecting out, but if you're busy, it is a busy mind that misspeaks. It is a frantic, busy, stressed out mind that says and does things that is not 
true. It's not in alignment with your core values. It's not in alignment with what I call your big three, the, the things that kind of um, inform and influence and inspire how you're showing up in the world. So if you're always moving too fast, if you have a wicked busy mind, things are going to just slip right by you, your little serpent tongue, right? You get a sharp tongue, like I've heard people say, like kids from Massachusetts, especially. I'm not saying this isn't true in other states. I can only speak of what I know. And I've had experiences with people from New York, et cetera, too. But I can just say from my own things, kids on the East Coast, they tend to have sharp tongues. And we, you know, we can be a little, uh, a little quick, a little quick with the mouth. And we say things and we don't realize the impact. And, and I'm, I'm in a place in my life, I've talked about this before, about sarcasm and stuff like that, where, you know, sarcasm and busting balls, as we would call it growing up, is kind of the way that a lot of us has learned to show affection over the years. But at some point you realize, like, I'm like, oh, is that how I really want to be talking to my friend? And I read this incredible article one time um, and somebody was saying that, you know, when she made a conscious choice to not be sarcastic in her life and, and to the people around her, you know, they started saying things to her like, you're not as fun as you used to be. You're not as funny as you used to be. I used to like it when you were more this. And I was like, oh, this is so fascinating, right? Like people, when you decide to stop being more mindful and nice, people think you're not as fun. I just think it's so hysterical. I was like thinking about this a lot. So in order to take our words seriously and in order to, to, to be responsible for the words that come out of our mouth, we have to know what's coming out of our mouth. We have to bear witness. We have to be conscious of it. And if you're constantly just on autopilot and you have no filter and you have no boundaries and you just fucking vomit your stuff all over your verbal diarrhea all over everybody and you don't slow down and think about like, what am I actually about to say? Now, here's the thing. This is something I learned, and I might have said this on a, on a previous episode, something that I learned like my first day when I was at Boston University, I went to BU and um, my junior year, I became an advertising and communications major and an English kind. I dabbled in English, obviously, as a lover of words. And um, one of the, on the first day of my first communications class, my com communications professor said this, the message sent is almost never the message received. And they started to talk to us about how all these people are showing up with their history, with their past. Back then, they didn't call them stories. You know, stories in the last, like I would say, seven years has become six years, maybe even five years has become like wicked popular with entrepreneurs and stuff like that. But to those of us who are storytellers, we always knew the power of stories, right? We always knew the power of words. So they were saying that you might say something to somebody else. And by the time those words get through, let's call it their past, their history, their filters, their interpretation, their perception, their stories, they might hear it as something else. So one of the things you really want to do is be intentional with what you say and, and take responsibility for, for what you're saying. And what I realized though, is the point, the point that she was making is that you might not have any control over how somebody else takes what you say, right? Because you could say to somebody, I love you. And by the time it got through all their filters, especially if their filters are not full of self-esteem or self-love, by the time it gets to them, there's some sort of a thought like, you sucker, you love me. You don't even know who I am. If you saw the real me, you wouldn't love me. I've got you food. Like there's like all these layers, all this stuff, right? That, that those words would have to get through. So while you have no control over how somebody takes what you say, how they interpret it, how they bring it in and then put it through their own little filter. You can't control that, 
right? But you damn well have control over what you say and how you say it. You have so much control over what you say and how you say it. Let me just be clear about that. You must be so clear about the intention behind it. You have to be clear about the intention behind it. You can't be responsible always, you know, for the effect, right? But you are the cause. So you have to be mindful of the cause. And you can use your words to either be loving or to belittle. You can use your words, I'm going to say it again, to either be loving or to belittle somebody. You know, you can use your words to either empower or to destroy. You can use your words to either give life, to be life-giving, or to take life, to be a little Dracula, a little succubus, a little, a little energy. You know, you could just, you got to know, be a little vampire. You know what I mean? And so the question is, 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 is how do I want to represent what's truly on my mind and in my heart? How do I want to use this body? That's what the body really is, you guys. The body is just like, a, I always say, it's like this meat puppet, right? It's just like, it's just like this fleshy sausage bit, you know? But the body in our experience as a human, you know, we're spiritual, we're actually spirit. We are actually spirit. We are spiritual beings who have forgotten. We have a little spiritual amnesia. So we perceive ourselves as these bodies and these bodies and the impact that it has on us while we're here in the illusion, having the human experience is so impactful. It's so impactful. So the things that people say to us, the environment, the stuff that we absorb in, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, psychically, that stuff leaves an imprint. It leaves a mark on us. So we want to be so mindful about the quality of what we're saying, what we're putting out into the world, knowing that it's going to leave a mark somewhere. And it can either leave a beautiful, like, like yeah, you know, it can leave a, a mark of love or it can leave a mark where a person feels belitt belittled and unseen. And, you know, I, like, again, you know, I remember being called fat when I was a little kid. I remember being called, I can't even tell you how many times I was called stupid. I mean, within, you know, I just can't, my, my stepfather, I can't even tell you how many times. And again, I always say this, this is never, I never say these things to make people feel bad or I'm just reporting the truth. I'm reporting what happened. Right. And so I just can't, I, I can remember so many unkind things that were said to me as a kid. So could all of us. I am not special here. Sadly enough, I am not special here. Meaning we, we have all, I'm sure, have a list. We know the things that were said to us. Now we do as adults have an opportunity to heal those things, to take back our own power and to not give those things agency over us. We have our own self-authority. But we'd be lying if we didn't say like, yeah, like I, man, I had to overcome that thing. Like I had to overcome that thing. Now, sometimes things will be said to us that might not feel nice or good in the moment, but they're things we needed to hear. They are truthful things that maybe we needed to hear because we were behaving like little assholes, <laughs> like we were being little brats, you know, and we needed to hear something. And it was like an opportunity to course correct. It was an opportunity to pivot and take it, make an internal pivot and say, ooh, that stings because maybe there's some truth here, right? So I'm not saying that all strong words are words that aren't super soothing, aren't 
positive. Sometimes we're going to hear exactly what we need to hear. But I think you guys are mature enough to understand what I'm laying down here right now. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. So this is what I often say to my clients. And I often say to, to just my friends and family, like, you know, anytime I'm speaking, I tend to say something like, you know, we have to remember, we have to remember that you might be, you might be the only gospel that somebody hears that day. You might be the only gospel that somebody hears that day. And you might say something and they might believe you either way. You say to a little kid, oh man, you know, you're so smart. You're such a kind person, right? You're so good and not making them good because of something they accomplished, something external, but just letting them know that just who they are, just who they are. You're so creative. You're so kind. Look at how, how beautifully you share your toys, like whatever the thing is, right? Remember that movie? I always say, you, you, you know, you is smart. You is good. You is beautiful. Like, you know, kids remember that stuff that they had somebody, even if it's just one person, they had somebody in their corner. They had somebody in their corner who uplifted them, who, 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 who generated positivity and love. And they're also going to remember, like, either way, you tell a kid that they're stupid, that they're lazy, that they don't fit in, they don't belong, that they fill in the blank, all the things that you can say to a little kid that's going to, like, take them out at the knees in some way, right? They might believe you either way. So your gospel better be loving. Your gospel better be on point. And it doesn't mean, like I said, sometimes the most loving thing we can say has to be a little, like, sometimes difficult to, to say, right? Because it needs to be said. But you say it with the intention of, I'm saying this out of love. Whether I'm worried about you, I'm concerned about you, or I see you behaving in this way, and I don't think it's a true reflection of you, right? And you can, you can do that. So I, I just always want to say, like, you got to remember, you might be the only gospel that somebody hears that day. And the things that you say, one way or the other, they're probably going to believe you, especially if you're in a position of power, if you're, if, you know, especially if you're talking to somebody younger than you or somebody who looks to you for advice, whatever the dynamic of the relationship would be, we have to remember that, that, that our words have power. And one of the things that I've always loved, and I've, I've said this on many podcasts, this is obviously not my original idea. This is something that has been said multiple, multiple times. And they say, like, all your words should pass through three gates. And it bears repeating. I don't care if I say this on every single podcast episode. <laughs> I want it to sink in. To me, especially. I say all this stuff to me, especially, right? Your words should pass through three gates. Number one, is it true? Number two, is it kind? And number three, is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? I would say that most shit that I see people posting <laughs> is not necessary. It doesn't mean that I don't also sometimes fall into that category. Sometimes I just want to share something because it made me laugh or it moved me and nobody else might be interested in it. I've posted many things online that nobody responds to and I'm fine with it because I just wanted to post it because it cracked me up or I thought, oh, that's so sweet or isn't that beautiful or whatever. So is it true this thing I'm about to say to this other person? Hey, is it true this thing I'm about to say to myself, this shit that I just keep playing back and back and back and back? Sometimes we have these recordings in our mind that happened when we were little kids. And the person who said it to us the first time might be dead. And yet the tape is still playing because we're still hitting the play button. But we have to remember as adults 
little children are like little recorders. They're like little sponges. They're absorbing it all. So man, do we have to be mightily mindful of, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Imagine if you took on the challenge of, I'm only going to reflect what is kind here. I'm only going to reflect on what I love here, what's good here. And it's one of the reasons why I love doing the yoga and writing workshops that I do. Because in the yoga and writing workshops that I do, the feedback that we give in those workshops using the gateless methodology, we only build up. We never tear down. We only talk about where the work is strong and powerful and the heat is and the gift is and what popped for us and what's bright and where the energy is, right? We're not interested. We don't tear down. We're not interested and saying the things that aren't kind and aren't necessary, right? We only say what's true for us in our experience of hearing that work. And it's such an incredible thing. When you allow people to shut off that critical part of their brain, to just be in the love, miracles and magic can happen. So what if we slowed down enough to be so intentional with our words and we ask ourselves, and you know what that would mean? It would mean you would have to actually listen to each other and not just be waiting for your chance to speak. You'd actually have to be hearing, like really hearing and listening to each other. And then pausing to respond in the moment, not waiting to just get your turn to say what you think, right? It's really powerful, you guys, when you think about it. And, oh, man. I can't even stress, I feel like I could talk for two hours about this, but nobody wants to hear that. So let me just move on to the next thing I wanted to share. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? The kind piece is the biggest thing. And when I think about, you know, A Course in Miracles, you know, I've been a student for so long now, going on like almost three decades, I've been messing around with A Course in Miracles. And look, it's not my only thought system. Like I did not like chug the Kool-Aid of like, oh my God, like I'm indoctrined or whatever, right? I, I float, I have a lot, I have a lot of influences in my life, but there's a lot, there's so much that I love about A Course in Miracles. And Ken Wapnick, Kenneth Wapnick, Dr. Wapnick, who I consider one of the, um, the greatest, like, I don't know, to me, he's like a savant when it comes to A Course in Miracles. You know, he's, he's just, I would call him a scholar of A Course in Miracles. He said, after all the years of him, like, working with this work, um, he, said if, he said if he could distill it down to, like, a couple of things, he would just say this. He would say, be kind, be kind, be kind. Be kind, be kind, be kind. That's the instruction. That's the homework, right? And the, one of the things that I was thinking about the other day is, you know, kindness doesn't cost you anything. The only time that we resist being kind is when our ego mind gets involved. And the ego mind thinks, well, if I'm kind here, if I have to be kind here, it thinks that it's losing something. It thinks that it has to sacrifice something. It has to give something up. And it might be, I have to give up being right. I have to give up my opinion or my judgment or whatever the thing is. So the ego mind will sometimes resist being kind. And if we're not paying close enough attention, we won't even know that you're being held hostage by, by, by the ego. Kindness doesn't cost you anything. You're not sacrificing anything. You're not being asked to, to like, you know, give anything up with your kindness. And so it's a very, very, very powerful thing to do. 
you know, and again, I just always keep going back to is you never know the impact that you'll have on another person or the world with your kindness, with your words that are kind, designed to be kind and the words that are designed to kill, right? I mean, it's like you might just have a little interaction with somebody and you go off and you never see that person again. It could be a little interaction in a parking lot or driving or a store. And they're, they're nobody to you. They're just some, some, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, um, I would sometimes hear my stepfather say like, you know, uh, do you know who you're talking to? What do you think? What do you think? I'm just somebody you met on the street. <laughs> right. And so we have this thing where it's just like, if we don't quote unquote personally know you and have a relationship with you, right. We don't often feel compelled to go out of the way to be kind. We react in such a way. So, you know, it's like, we never know the impact of flipping somebody off in the car might have. We never know the impact of letting somebody cut you in line, letting somebody else go first or holding the door or just smiling at somebody or somebody drops something and you pick it up or somebody sneezes and you say, Gesundheit or bless you, like you acknowledge them, right? You never know the power of your kind word or your killing word. We don't always are privy to that information. And it always makes me think of, um, in A Course in Miracles, the first chapter, it's like, it's all about, you know, um, miracles. And so in chapter one, there's 50, the 50 miracle principles, the 50 principles, right? And so number 45 in chapter one, it says this, and I've always loved this. It says, a miracle is never lost. It may touch many people you have not even met and produce undreamed of changes in situations of which you are not even aware. I'm going to say that again. Principle 45, chapter one, A Course in Miracles. A miracle is never lost. It may touch many people you have not even met and produce undreamed of changes in situations of which you are not even aware. And I remember hearing that and thinking like, oh my God, you know, and there have been so many times in my life, you know, especially as a yoga teacher, where I would have like clients who would come to class and just their energy and just the way that they would look at me or respond. Or sometimes I swear I would come home and I would be like, I don't even know why this person keeps coming to class. Cause I feel like they don't even like me. Like, I feel like I bug them somehow. <laughs> like I would say to my sweetie, you know, every once in a while I'd be like, I, I don't think so-and-so like even really likes me, but they keep coming. And then I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is just the class time that works for them. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. Right. So I'd have written like this whole story in my head. And then years later, I would bump into them just randomly. And I'd be like, hey, you know, it's so good to see you. How you doing? And they would stop me and they would look at me and they would say, you have no idea how much those classes meant to me. What an impact you had on my life. And they would proceed to tell me a story. And there's so many stories, but just one of them that I remember is this person was caring for their parents who were dying. And they said, that class was a lifeline to me. It was the only thing that I did to take care of myself, to go and be in a space where I would hear your words and I would get to move my body and breathe. And it was like a prayer. It was like meditation. It was like going to church. It was like going to therapy. And like you, like, you know, and they, they gave me a lot of, you know, kindness and credit with their words. It was a collective experience, right? And I'm not trying to, I, I, I'm getting better at receiving their love. So I understand I was leading the class and, and I'm, so I'm letting that in, right? 
but I had no idea. Like I had, I had a totally different experience in my mind. So it goes to the place where we never know the way that we're touching people. We never know the impact that we're going to have, but we do know that we're going to have impact. That's the part I want to say. Your words have power. So let's be intentional. Let's choose them mindfully. Let's speak from the place of love. I often think this question, I often think this, um, this is a play on something from A Course in Miracles. And I often ask myself this question, what are you thinking right now that God would not have you think? <laughs> What are you thinking right now that God would not be thinking? What are you thinking right now that God would not have you think? What have you said or what are you about to say that God would not have you say? And it's why it's the prayer that I say every morning, one of the prayers that I say every morning. You guys have heard me say it a thousand times. Have me go where you would have me go. Have me do what you would have me do. This is from A Course in Miracles. It's a paraphrase, right? Have me say what you would have me say and to whom? Have me say what you would have me say and to whom? please use me. Well, if I need to know what I'm going to say and to whom, it means I have to listen. I have to listen inwardly. I have to not react from my ego and just say the stupid, funny, sarcastic, witty, whatever the thing, you want to sound smart, right? I have to deeply listen. What would you have me say and to whom? So that also means I have to be listening for when to shut my big fat mouth. And I've done a post about this before. I've often said, you know, why be an asshole when you can just be quiet, <laughs> right? Why be a jerk when you could just be silent? Zip it, Kenny. Zip it, KK. Shut your big fat mouth, right? Not necessary. Even sometimes is it true? Something might be true. But is it going to get past the gate of is it kind and is it necessary? And there are a lot of times where something might be true and I want to say something and then I ask myself, ooh, is it what you're about to say? Something that God, the divine, Jesus, your spiritual team, whoever would have you say. Is it kind? Like how are you about to represent your spirit? How are you about to represent yourself? And I'll tell you. Although it doesn't seem it on this podcast, but I'm telling you, it's true. I'm getting quieter and quieter. <laughs> I am choosing to shut my mouth more often than not. Because the one thing that I know the older that I get is I don't know shit. I know a little bit about a lot of things. I know a little bit. There's some things I know a lot about. <laughs> and there's other places where it is just best that I keep my mouth quiet. Because here's another thing that I know to be true. And I'm going to do a whole other episode about this. We almost never know. We almost never know what another person is going through. They might not ever say a peep about it, not online, not on person. We can't ever really know what's on somebody's mind and in their hearts. And we walk around with our stories and our judgments and we say things and we have no idea what we're talking about. So many people have no idea what they're talking about. But this is a stat. This is a place to start to know that your words have power. Choose them wisely, my friends. Deliver them with great compassion, right? Just understand that you never know the impact that you're going to have. You can't even be aware of. There's going to be, it could produce undreamed of changes in situations of which you are not even aware. So go forth, be kind, be kind, be kind. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope that I get to see some of you in person soon. <laughs> I have some events coming up. Uh, I'm going to be speaking in May in an event called Unstoppable Live in Falmouth. I also have a yoga and writing retreat, uh, a little workshop, a, full, a one day. It's like a one day retreat. Um, 
on April 5th, Sunday, April 5th in Laconia at Yoga from the Hot. You can find out about these things on my website or you can just send me a DM. And I would love to hear you guys if you have something really powerful, really powerful that was said to you that has always stayed with you and impacted you. And you can send me the positive ones. Uh, you can also send me the negative ones if you want. <laughs> but one of the things about those ones is we want to try to get those out of the loop, right? We want to get those old negative things out of the loop. Um, because like I said, when people say those kinds of things to us, they are out of their right, they're not in their right minds. They're insane. They're in those moments where they're insane. And we want sanity to rule the day. We want love to rule the day. So again, thank you so much for listening. I see you guys. And when I say I see you, like some of you, I can't really see. I hope to see you in person. <laughs> I see you, meaning like I, I get you, I feel you, I hear you, okay? I see you and I celebrate you. And uh, I'm so grateful for you. And I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>